When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. He is not human. He is like a machine. Making more podcasts than you've ever seen. Now he's finally back for more interviews. I hope you missed him because he sure missed you. It's the Tarrant Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Terran Show. Today, I have a great conversation to show you. I talked with Nicole Maines, who is from Maine. She is also Supergirl, uh, an actor and a uh, great person, great, great fun to talk to. We talked about Supergirl being an actor, what it was like growing up for her in Maine. Uh, she has uh, quite the story there. And uh, I hope all of you enjoy it because I know that I did. So here you go. Here is Nicole Maines. First of all, how are you? I'm tired. tired. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I just moved to Los Angeles. Okay. Um, for the first time, because of course I went to Supergirl just right from Maine because I was in college mm-hmm. I, um, when I was cast. Um, so I never really did the whole LA scene situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is my first time living here and I am late to everything. Yeah. <laughs> because I mean, I knew the traffic was going to be bad, but this mm-hmm. is like, and I feel like it's such a like cold take to be like, Ooh, LA traffic is yeah. bad. But like, fuck. I'm actually, I'm right there with you. It's so funny too. Cause, uh, I think we've talked about this, but like, I grew up in Maine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I lived in Boston for a while cause I went to college there. I just moved to San Diego. Um, mm-hmm. so I've been up to LA a few times and yeah. I'm experiencing the same thing. I'm like, this sucks. It's, I don't understand how people do it. I don't understand. First of all, why? Yeah. So I feel, uh, it feels like this should have been a problem that was solved by now, but it's, I mean, it's, it's really like, uh, like a 10 minute drive is an hour and a half. I've never, it's never taken me so long to go like a mile. Yeah. You just like, uh, come down to San Diego. It's much better here. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, I mean, of course, you know, like in Maine too, it's, you know, people are like, oh yeah, it's just an hour drive this way. Mm-hmm. No problem. In Los Angeles, that's like just going to work. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't, I don't in understand. Maine, you can like, get halfway up the, the state. Yeah. Yes. Oh, geez. <laughs> Time management, man. So when when did you when did you get to LA? I well I got here late August and then I moved into my new place um beginning of September. 
I really like it. It's nice. It's a cute little two bedroom situation in uh, Van Nuys. Oh, very cool. I'm liking it. I'm liking it a lot. Quiet neighborhood. You're probably experiencing the same thing I am, which is that uh, it's winter right now, but it's not really. You know, I thought I was going to feel a type of way about yeah. not having like seasons. Turns out I don't mind yeah. winter being like <laughs> 80 degrees. It's Turns nice. out I don't miss it. Yep. I, I spent Thanksgiving morning on a beach. It was great. I mean, living your best life. Yes. First of all. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's weird, but I, I'm like a person. I, I just like to go on walks and take strolls and it's nice to be able to do that year round mm-hmm. and not feel like I need to wear a snowsuit, like on not home alone, a uh, Christmas story style with my yeah. arms sticking straight out. <laughs> I always hated the, the snow, snow pants, anything Ugh, snow related. Snow pants. Yeah. Ugh. Yes. <laughs> I hated that so much. Ugh, I used to walk worst. with my legs apart to try to avoid <laughs> Just starfishing <laughs> down the sidewalk. Yep. <laughs> oh, oh man. So have you been living in uh you've been living in Maine up until that point? Uh yeah. Yeah. yeah well so the past three years have kind of been with Supergirl a little nomadic because yeah. my parents moved out of Maine, moved to Texas, so they're in Austin now. And so when I haven't been filming, it's kind of like sometimes I go to Los Angeles for a couple of weeks. Sometimes I go to Austin. Sometimes I stay in Vancouver. So I was kind of in a transitional period for a while. Yeah. Um, and this is kind of the first moment where I have, I think, kind of like a home base, mm-hmm. um, which is good. And it's, you know, it's still it's still being furnished and it's not home yet but you know just the more stuff i and it's really exciting and i'm i'm kind of approaching it like an art project and Mm -hmm. i mean my pinterest board is just out of control (laughs) um and don't get me started on my wayfair wish list oh boy but um (laughs) but um yeah so you know just every every um everything it gets slowly starting to make it feel more like home and i'm excited to kind of have somewhere to call my own because my place in vancouver was kind of mine but it was Mm. furnished so none of the stuff was mine and it felt just kind of like i was living in someone else's house for three years yeah um so it's nice to have my own space and my own stuff Mm -hmm. yeah i was really excited to like uh furnish this place um and and it was exciting at first and now now i'm still like i still haven't finished because it's Uh like just too much well Uh, well, that's the joy of home decorating you're never done are you you know and uh you know it's i'm getting there though i feel like uh it's it's almost there Uh, oh see i feel like it's one of the i see i never when i played um did you you ever get into like the sims or anything i never got into the sims i did like like Uh, minecraft a little bit and stuff like that so so it's sort of the same but like Mm -hmm. for me i would spend forever like making the characters and then i'd spend forever like use all the cheat codes money's no object And like property brothers flip a house and make it gorgeous. I never play. I didn't care about their lives. Yeah. I didn't care about like, oh, my Sims are getting married. No, I'm sorry. Their personal lives are their business. Thank you. I'm just here to remodel, redecorate and, and, and really become an interior design master, which is what I became, frankly. I think I think I do say so myself. I I would imagine. So for me, it's like there's a lack of talent, right? Like I. 
I have a vision of what I want and I'm super excited about it. And then like, I have no idea how to execute and it's so discouraging. Yeah. See, my problem is I'm trying to, I see things that I like and then I'm like, Oh God, but is it going to match? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't want it to be too matchy matchy, but I want it to look like a cohesive thing room that goes together. Yeah. Um, frankly, I don't know if any of the shit in my house matches, but I've just sort of adopted, um, the, the motto that everything's a statement piece. Yeah. There you go. And then you don't have to worry about shit matching. You should, you should see how long it took me to agonize over whether I should actually paint this wall, this color. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. I love an accent wall. I've, I've, I'm happy with it, which is good because oftentimes I do something and I'm like, uh, I don't know, but I'll live with it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Story of my life. Yeah. Um so uh so tell me tell me about uh you, you mentioned Supergirl. Uh mm-hmm. t- tell me about like just uh being an actor. Like how did you get into this? Yeah, well acting is just one of those things that I've always been really drawn to. I've always been drawn to performing and you know, I, I have a twin brother and whenever we would watch TV shows or movies or cartoons or whatever. We were always acting out the stories and our grandparents would like make us these costumes and, you know, dad would film the video and dress up playing dress up for me was a sort of opportunity to be able to wear clothes, portray characters that I identified with. Mm -hmm. And my parents couldn't really be like, oh, this is a problem because they were just kind of like, it's just dress up. It's fine. He's fine. Um, but for me, it was like, you know, it was an opportunity to be a princess. And, you know, so I was always like Dorothy or Wendy or Ariel or, or, or whatever. Um, and so I think my love of acting really stems from that and just a a genuine love of playing dress up because that's essentially what it is. We're a bunch of adult, adult children playing dress up, Mm -hmm. um, um, on the, on these crazy make believe sets. And, um, it's, just been so much fun. And so with, um, I acted through high school and, you know, just like, you know, school productions, nothing crazy. And it was just like one of those crazy things where it was an opportunity of like, we had known somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody in casting. And they had said they were looking for, um, a trans actress to play a dancer, uh, or, or like a dance student for this episode of Royal Pains. Um, this was my senior year of high school. And I had, you know, done dance all through high school. And so I was like, okay, yeah, sure. So we auditioned. Um, it wasn't like a process of they were like, yeah, oh, we knew you. So we just cast you. It was, mm-hmm. So I auditioned and then I went to New York and I auditioned again in front of um, casting for a callback. And then I, I went back to New York, auditioned in front of producers a third time um, and then got the part. And so that was great. And that shot in Brooklyn. So I, I got to spend like two weeks in, in New York City which I was like, Oh, the lights. Yeah. Um, live, you know, my little, like, you know, my get off the bus fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah. So I, and I just fell in love with it. And I, and I remember the thing that struck me the most was film sets and how I, it was just such a different, I mean, especially coming from like high school theater where like our, okay. Picture it. We're doing a one act performance of Henry five. <laughs> Which for those for those of you who are not theater nerds is not a show you can do in one act. Mm-hmm. Just by the way, but God God bless us, we tried, and we had one set piece, and it was like 
it was kind of like um, a utility ladder arcway that you could like climb up on okay. um, for, for like hardware and stuff. I like, I swear they must've gone at like the home Depot and they did not dress it. <laughs> they like threw a sheet over it and they were like, that's the door. Mm. I was like, and we had like drums and stuff. They were just recycling cans with saran wrap over them. We didn't paint them or nothing. They were recycling can blue <laughs> right there on stage. And it was like also set in like 1970. Oh, okay. But like, not it was, <laughs> was the this, most bizarre show is this like uh like um like a theater teacher that's like uh, oh i've got ideas or or did they just not care yes but then it was also so the set design was done by our stage manager who was one of the students okay so one of the students designed the set but of course like an adult had to sign off on that like some adult was like yeah that's great yeah <laughs> and yeah it was just like this and it was oh my it was during our um our big sh- we did a shakes year it was like the 178th anniversary of shakespeare or something mm-hmm. which like first of all 178 is not significant yeah if i had to come up with like uh like how how can i make a number that doesn't seem like it's just an even number that's definitely one i would think of 178 it's a stupid random number that means nothing but they were like oh my god it's the 178th anniversary of shakespeare all of our shows this year are going to be about shakespeare so we did a one-act performance of henry five and i was Catherine, and so i spoke french but they cut every other scene of mine. And so the only scene of mine was me like, and and this was for a competition, mind you, this was for the, for the one act competitions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, me and I had like this weird, awful blue seventies hippie dress on, but like also a crown, nothing went together during that show. (laughs) And I like, you know, wander on stage and it's like, you know, my friend teaching me English words because I'm going to marry, you know, Prince Henry or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we're just like, <laughs> completely random in, in the middle of the play. This woman we've never seen before comes out and like, Dung! and then I like wander off and then I'm not seen again until the end where I just come and marry Henry after the war. Nailed it. Bizarre. Nailed it. Yeah. We didn't win in case you were wondering. <laughs> oh, no. we, didn't, we did not win that competition. Um, spoilers. Um, and but but yeah, so it, just going from like a production like that to being on a, t- a TV set in this hospital where everything looks real, I, all the details are meticulously placed. I mean, they built an entire summer camp like set, like a cabin for one scene, and it looked just like I, you know, like you were at summer camp. Like, oh, there's wet bathing suits on the bed, and you know, like it was it was dirty, like a summer camp cabin. It was really, really cool. Yeah. And then, of course, you look up and there's no ceiling. And it's, it was like the most trippy, bizarre thing. I was just like so impressed by the magnitude and the scale. And I just thought it was frankly magical. I was like, oh, my God, I want to do this forever. I want to do this. This is what I'm talking about. This is cool. Um, and then, you know, naturally, I didn't act again for like you know four years. Yeah. Um, but I, but through that, I met my agents, um, who I'm still with 
And we started working together. And I remember when they first asked me, um, you know, what do you like? What kind of shows do you like? I was like, I like Arrow. I really love that show. Cut two years later in the Arrowverse. I mean, listen, dreams are coming true. Yeah. But um, what season of Arrow was it on at that point? Oh, God, I don't know. I think four. It must have been probably. It feels like I feel like time has passed too quickly. I feel like uh, it wasn't that long ago that Arrow started. Yeah. (laughs) Mm, Those were the days. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, my gosh. Actually, speaking (laughs) while I'm still on the Shakespeare tangent, I have to tell you about. So my the my one of my like final performances i was the most senior member of the cast and mm-hmm. um, we did cry of players which is kind of like loosely about william shakespeare okay and the only other senior in the cast is my brother right and i've been doing the the plays twice as long as him so i'm like oh heck yeah i'm gonna get whatever you know part i want because that's how you know casting works in high school and they sat us down and they said we both want you to play the lead but they're married and we feel that would be inappropriate. So instead of me playing his wife, you know what they thought would be better. What? I love the hesitation. In your voice. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> they had me play my twin brother's mistress. What? Like that's better. Our first scene is me standing behind him, reaching around him, buttoning his shirt back up. By the way, we have the same face. We're identical. <laughs> and my graduating class was 68. This so is, this everybody is... in the audience knew exactly what they were watching. So this is Game of Thrones is what's happening. This was full like Game of Thrones. Like we pushed a toddler out of a window. Yeah. Like, it, which coincidentally at the time of this, I was trying to read Game of Thrones and I got to that and I said, that's a little too close to home. <laughs> no, that's where we're going to stop that. Mm-hmm. But let me, for those of you who are still confused, let me explain to you why that's so much worse. That means he married someone right. who was his sister and then went back to fuck his sister, <laughs> which is so much worse. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm completely with you here. I like, uh, did it, was this the real reason? Like, uh, or did, did they just like want you in a different role? Like, uh, cause that's absurd. No, I have no idea, but it was, but you know what? Some of the best acting I've ever done. Cause I kept the vomit in my mouth. There, yes. Yeah. I can imagine. I, we, a cast list came up and I was like, but I did it. Yeah. Because the show must go on. Truly. Uh, did your brother uh, stick to, to acting in any way? Yeah. 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 He lives in Chicago now. Um, he's brilliant. He just did. Um, he just did his first film. Um, he's really great. He went to he, he went to school for acting. I did not. Yeah. So he's much better than me, frankly. <laughs> um, no, he's 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 phenomenal. He does. Um, I went and saw him. The last thing I saw him in was he did um, uh, Macbeth. No, not Macbeth. Macbeth. I think it was. He was Macbeth, of course. Um, brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. That's I mean, awesome. there's some I mean, he has a way about him of just playing angry straight men. <laughs> yeah. He does it well. <laughs> Bravo. But he uh, he's not angry though, right? Himself. Sure. No. <laughs> I don't know what he has to be angry about. He got the lead. Yeah. I'm the one who had to play who got the downgrade to play his mistress. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I'm mad. <laughs> 
I'm still talking about it all these years later. I'll yeah. never stop. Yeah. I don't know. Well, he, maybe he talks about it too. Maybe he's like, uh, I don't, I mean, I'm scarred. I don't know about him. Yeah. But I, it, that keeps me up at night. <laughs> Remember that time I had to <laughs> pretend that Redress I dress was... <laughs> you. <laughs> hey, well, so, um, so you're twins. Yeah. Uh, you're both actors. Um, mm-hmm. is this like, uh, like w- what is the, are you very close? Yeah. Yeah. We, well, we've always, and we've always been really close. It was, mm-hmm. it was always, you know, people, the, one of the number one, que- well, the number one question I get asked, they're like, can you feel each other's pain? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm like, yes. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> hurt, hurt Jonas, hurt. <laughs> I like, give myself like sunburns. Yeah. Um, while he's at a job interview, mm. just to fuck with him. Well, um, he's at a, well, he's at an audition for a role that you don't want to be his mistress for. So there's surprisingly many. Listen, <laughs> um, I could build a career just stopping my brother's mistress. Jesus. Um, no. So the number one question I get asked is people always want to know if you know what. Oh, what was it? What was his reaction when you came out to him as trans? You know, did he ever? Um, did he have a problem with it? And I never had to. I never had to talk to him about it. And and I don't, we really don't talk about it even now. Yeah. Really, because it, it was never for us. That was never our concern. And and I mean, you know, don't let me speak for him. But I think for him, it was never about like whether I was his brother, whether I was his sister. I think for us, the important part of that relationship is that, you know, that's my twin. Mm-hmm. And that's the person that I am closest to. Um, in every sense, in every sense of the word, apparently. Yeah. Um, oh, Jesus Christmas. Um, and, and I think that's what was important for both of us. It didn't really matter to him. He was like, regardless, that's my, that's my twin and I'm going to support you either way. Yeah. And, and that's what he continued to do. And, and as we were trying to get our parents on board and, and, and as we were struggling at school, he was always there protecting me and looking out for me and advocating for me. That's amazing um, to to have yeah. somebody uh, like basically your whole life. That's just like yeah. on board. Like that's just like yeah. totally supporting you. Yeah. It's really great. It's, it, I mean, it's, it's nice to know you always have somebody in your corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has it, has it been, uh, has it been hard to be like uh, apart? Um, were you like used to being together a lot? No, because, you know, I think now it's gotten to a point where we were together so long. And I think both of us kind of resented the whole like, like anytime anyone called us like the twins. Yeah. Like, I I mean, I don't know about him, but like for me, that's like like, everything goes white. (laughs) Like, I, I just never liked that. I don't think he ever liked that. It was just like we're two different people mm-hmm. and I never understand like in film or anything, even in life when people are dressing their twins identically, yeah. like, that's creepy bullshit. <laughs> that made straight out of a horror movie. Like a set? <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I'm going to run them over with a tricycle. <laughs> Anytime I see matching twins, I just feel like I have to roadkill for the greater good. Yeah. I think, I mean, people would understand. I think so. Yeah. And I, you know what? More importantly, I think that would hold up in court. Exactly. Why did you in cold blood brutally murder a random set of twins? In my defense, your honor, I thought that they might be ghosts. Yeah. Uh, have you seen the photos? Did you see yeah. what they were wearing? Did you see the matching bowl cuts, sir? I rest my case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, I mean, 
it's 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 interesting to me because you you I guess are in a position where you you've never not had at least one person yeah like that's just been there for you yeah. uh so it's hard for me to ask how that feels because it's how you've always felt uh but yeah i'm very lucky yeah you know i'm i'm always the first to say like you know i've been very very privileged and very very blessed with the family support that i got yeah and even from outside of my immediate family with grandparents even the support was always there Mm -hmm. and and i was i was just reading some of my dad's journals actually um for a writing project I'm doing, he sent them to me. And um, he was uh, writing about the first summer that we went back to, because I was born in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Um, when we went back to New York, we were visiting the grandparents and my grandpa had called me Wyatt and apologized. And, and, and my dad was writing, the first thing my dad had to get used to was the sight of his father apologizing to a child, <laughs> which was like bizarre for him. And second, you know, I, I, I got up and I said, no, it's okay. I know it's hard. Thank you very much for trying. Um, but I always had, like, even when they got it wrong, they were apologetic. And it, at least to my face, none of my family was outwardly malicious or telling me that I was bad, going to hell, any of the normal stuff that yeah. you would expect. Um, it was always, I mean, my, the, the, one of the first memories that sticks out for me is there was like a bookstore, um, like, like a sale. And there was a little table outside where this lady was selling books and there was like this pink sparkly mermaid book. I don't know what it was about now. It doesn't matter. It was pink and sparkly. And I wanted it because I'm like this. (laughs) And the woman was like, Oh, you can't have that. That's for little girls. You're a little boy. That's not for you. Devastated. Mm -hmm. A couple minutes later, my grandma comes back holding the book and like, you know, just gives it to me. She's just like, don't worry about it. And I'm sure she told that woman off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, because it was, un- it would be uncharacteristic of Judy not to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, even, and I was like three or four years old. So even as the world around me is like telling me like, no, this isn't for you. This is what you're supposed to be doing. You can't do the stuff you like to do. My family, or at that point, my grandma was like, it doesn't who fucking cares. Yeah. It's a book. You're three. You like it here. Reading's good. Mm-hmm. And and it was nice to always you know have that, especially from her. And and um, I would go over and I would stay with her on weekends, and she would help me. You know, I we'd do my Barbie's hair and and dress them up all nice and set them up on the couch and watch you know like Disney princess movies. And and it was nice to have somebody who was always supportive of me and who believed me mm. and and was unfazed by you know because because the pro it's only a problem if you're looking at it through the lens of oh what is this child supposed to be doing right oh well this child isn't doing what i expected it to well it is a person after all so first of all we should stop probably calling babies it's yeah um it's like no like they're people they like things they don't like especially as we get older and we can discern between what we like and what we don't like why are we forcing people, kids to do things they don't like? Yeah. It makes them miserable. It was very obvious it was making me miserable. So what? You're just doing it to make yourself feel better? Mm-hmm. Well, it's so, I mean, you, you, you grew up in a situation where you had to uh, sort of tell the world who you were. Yeah. And, yeah. and you, you had to 
have the the confidence to be able to be like, no, no, this is this is me, even though you're telling me it's not Um, like that must that must take uh, an incredible amount of just like uh, strength. Right. Well, yes and no, because it does. But I think that strength is attributed to a strength that I think all children innately have. Because we come into this world like covered in blood, naked, screaming, (laughs) without any of the notions of what is good or bad. All we know is what we like, what we don't like, what Mm -hmm. feels right, what feels wrong. And as soon as we're able to identify that, we start to. It's one of the first choices that we make for ourselves is deciding who am I? Who do I get to be? And so for me, it all came from a feeling of instinct. And it was very, very natural. And it felt like the most natural thing in the world to me because it was. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that boys couldn't turn into girls. And I didn't know that it was wrong or weird or Mm. a sin, which by the way, it's not, it's not anywhere in that book. Um, (laughs) uh, And it was through people's reactions that I realized that, oh, is this not normal? Is it? But then, you know, as I'm receiving this support. And and I think having like my grandmother and having Jonas there really, really helped me. And my mother was the same way. My, it, my dad took a little bit longer, but I think it's harder for dads. Yeah. Honestly, especially just the way that we raise boys in our society, the way we talk about boys, the way fathers are expected to behave and, you know, all the not show emotion, don't do this. This is what boys do. This is what girls do. And, and, and men are punished for any resistance to the masculine. And so any outright rejection of it is like the cardinal sin, I feel like. And Mm. it's like, oh, what do you mean you don't want to be a man? What do you mean you want to be a lady? (laughs) Like, like, makes no sense. Exactly. So my dad was like, sorts of great things. Totally. He's like, (laughs) he's like, wait, so you have a penis and you want to get rid of it? Why? They're so great. And I'm like, yes, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> oh. oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's the, way, the way that I, I think we raise boys really affects the way that fathers are able to wrap their minds around this. And for my dad, it became a thing of just like he had such set expectations for what boys and girls were supposed to be like. And for context on my dad, he grew up really, really poor, really, you know, conservative. And his main concern was always, you know, be aware of what you're presenting, you know, be concerned with what the neighbors are thinking and get to the other side of the tracks. Mm -hmm. And so he did all that. And then when he, you know, and I was reading all like the Christmas newsletters that he would send out to the family and watching those progress and change was very funny. Yeah. Um, and, and just even like hearing like, oh, yes, why it's so dramatic. Oh, yes, he loves his Barbies. LOL, he'll be a fashion designer. I'm like, I mean, I, I was wafting queer from the start. Yeah. There was never a chance. <laughs> but in seeing how those changed and eventually just stopped coming, um, he didn't know what to do with it. And he didn't know how to talk to it about it to family or to other dads or um, which is a lot of the work that he does now. Um, but he, the number one thing he says is that he had to ask himself what he was so afraid of. Mm-hmm. And he had to really sit down with himself and get comfortable with being uncomfortable 
and be like, this is part of being a dad. It is my responsibility to make sure that my child is safe. And if my own shortcomings, if my own prejudices, set expectations are what's getting in the way of my child being happy, then that's what I need to change. And that's my responsibility to change myself, not my child, because that wouldn't have been fair to me. And it's not fair to any child. And I think it's a, and I, and I understand why, because it's hard work to do. And it's really hard to ask yourself and face what you're afraid of. Why am I so afraid of my son being my daughter? That's uncomfortable. Yeah. But I think it's the responsibility of parents to do that, frankly, before they decide to be parents, mm-hmm. because that's the thing I feel like with unconditional love and support, like you let your child be who they are. You love them regardless, or you're not ready to be a parent, mm-hmm. which is somehow like a weird, I'm, I'm like, it, it does. How, how are you a parent and you're not like, I'm going to love my child, but if this child ever puts on a dress, it's out the door. <laughs> yeah. First of all, who wouldn't like more leg room? First of all. Okay. It seems great. They are. It's fabulous. Yeah. Um, Highly recommend. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, it, it does, it feels like, it feels like such a not controversial thing to say that yeah. like, uh, yeah, you know, a parent should love a child unconditionally um but i do, i guess like because like i don't know that a person would come out and say this but i do think there are a lot of people that their their actual mindset is more like i want to i want a mini version of me like right like i or some version of that like i want my child to totally. be more successful than me or i want my child to be yeah. like some sort of like you know, yeah symbol like of yeah and it's like no i'm not a parent myself <laughs> but like I feel like you got to let all that shit go. Mm-hmm. Like they're not dolls, <laughs> right? They're like play the, back to the Sims, play the Sims. If you yeah. want a little mini version of you, <laughs> you can be whatever you want in, 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 in that. But mm-hmm. you know, it's, I think it's, you know, our responsibility as people to when, when we have children to, to let our child be whoever they are. Mm-hmm. And the most important thing, and this is what my mother always said, and she said, I didn't care what you did. I didn't care who you were. All my main concern was when you and Jonas come home, I want home to be a safe space. And I always want you guys to have a safe place to come back to. And that's the right answer. Yeah. That's the, that's what home and parents and what family should be. It should be a safe space. And the fact that it's not for so many queer people is really, really heartbreaking. Yeah. Because it's something that we all, you would think that we all deserve. And, and, and we all, frankly, I think we should have a right to, we have a right to feel safe in our own families yeah. and, and shouldn't have to worry like, oh gosh, if mom knows that I tried on her heels while she was out, is she going to kick me out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I mean, I think, uh, I, I mean, I think it's genuinely one of the most like devastating impact. The, the, one of the biggest things that has such a devastating impact on like our entire society is that we all, uh, some certainly way more than others undergo like a lot of trauma as kids yes. because there is no, because, because of that simple thing, just like we mm-hmm. just needed, just needed somebody yeah. to support us, uh, and let totally. us be who we were going to be. Uh, and that's, totally. it. that's all it took. Yeah. Giving it's it's a weird thing with giving children autonomy, mm-hmm. I think, and really respecting that a child is a person and respecting that 
in some cases, certainly not all, you're not going to let a child eat candy for dinner, (laughs) but in most reasonable cases, children do know what's best for them. Mm -hmm. And children, like I said, all you know, have is, is, is a compass pointing. Do I like this or do I not like this? And so if I put on a dress or, or pants or whatever, and I like it, I'll know. If I don't like it, I will also know. Mm. And if I don't like it, don't then make me put on the dress again, Linda. <laughs> like, it's not that important. Mm-hmm. And the same thing goes for, you know, like little girls. If little girls don't want to wear dresses, don't make the girl wear the dress. Mm-hmm. Let the girl wear pants. <laughs> yeah. I thought we were past this a long time ago. Yeah, it's uh, I, I think part of it, too, has to be that, like, uh, I feel like the baby stage probably does some damage here because I think parents get used to being completely in control and it totally. slowly Letting happens that you're that. not. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's a shift. Yeah, it's a shift. Yeah, you have to go from again, I'm not a parent, so I don't know. But yeah, you're going from, you know, really having full responsibility over every single thing. And then as we grow, you have to kind of let that person decide for themselves who they're going to be. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's not even just a queer thing. I think that's yeah. everybody. You know, if, if a child is, is more drawn to painting or, or creative stuff, you know, like, yes, encourage and encouraging that kind of behavior. and. And just letting kids play and explore and try new things. And it all comes back to just having like expectations mm-hmm. around children. And it's not fair, frankly, yeah. to and force those on people. Really, I feel like uh, you can you can extrapolate that outside of even parenting. Like, uh, like let people live their own life. Like, uh, you know, let people be who they want to be. You know, a shocking amount of problems can be traced back to people not minding their own goddamn business. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like it's one of those memes that it's like society. If people just minded their GD business and it's like flying cars and and all that shit. Uh, I guess, you know, you got to You got to struggle. It would be too easy. Yeah, apparently, uh, <laughs> apparently it'd be too easy without the childhood trauma. I yeah. Call uh, me crazy. Somebody at some point set the difficulty level to hard. They're like, ah, this game would be way too uh, boring if Seriously. it was set on easy mode. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh. 
Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So you, you said your dad, like, uh, talks to uh, to other dads now? Like, uh, yeah. uh, specifically about this sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something that my dad and I started doing... Um, a little bit in high school, but really more as I was in college, um, was we would go around to community centers and middle schools and high schools. And and we spoke at Harvard medical and we would go around and we'd share our experience. In 2015, we had, um, a book come out called becoming Nicole, um, the transformation of an American family, um, available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and ding. (laughs) Um, and it's, it's, you know, taken from these journals that my dad wrote um, when we were in sixth, after, when, uh, seventh grade, we had to flee our town and move south. I had to go back in the closet and my dad stayed behind to keep his job at the university. And so for six years, we only saw our dad on weekends. And so he would take the bus down and back. And on those bus rides, he would write just about what he was going through, what was going on. And he started showing these journals to people and they were like, you have to do something with this. And so it turned into a book and it was written by um, a science writer for the Washington Post, Amy Ellis Nutt. And it, 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 it looks at the social aspects. It looks at the science of, of being trans and, and it, it, it's really more about my parents than it is about me. It's not, you know, I'm, I'm there, yeah. but um, <laughs> like, and it's, it was really, it was really brilliant and and for so it, my dad um and I would start going around speaking and we'd bring the book and we you know we'd sign it after and everything and and we'd have questions and we 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 do Q and A's with other families other parents other trans people um family members friends communities um and just share what our experience was me as uh, as a young trans person um because when I started my transition they really weren't doing a lot of medical transitioning for younger kids. Mm-hmm. It was always something that happened when you were when you were older, when you were an adult. Um, and so it was, you know, a lot of bushwhacking for, for us. So I was talking about that experience and my dad would talk about exactly what I told you, you know, having to come to terms with it and having to let go of his expectations and having to ask himself what he was so afraid of. And he talks about, you know, the family's responsibility to, to sorting their own shit out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and take, and looking out for your child and being like, your number one priority now is your, is your child and keeping your child safe. And if your child is not safe from you, you need to fix that shit right away. Mm-hmm. And being safe extends far beyond just physical harm, you yeah. know, having your basic needs met. Love and support is a basic need. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, shockingly, people are like, you have a, you know, you know, you have, you have clothes, food and a roof over your head. You're fine. It's like, yes, but I'd like a hug. Yeah. Like, it's, that's, a, that's a necessity. That was, there's a whole study and, on monkeys, right? Seriously. Yeah. I don't know. What, what was the outcome of that study? The, 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 uh, that, I'm the monkey butcher, very I'm much. I'm butcher this, but like, I basically, um, uh, when, I think they starved the monkeys and then they gave them a choice of like, here's food and whatever but it's like a metal shape and here's That's like a right. comforting like thing yeah, you can you hug, go to the no soft food. nice and thing. they go to the nice soft comforting yes. thing yeah 
Yeah, no one will. And, and frankly, also, I mean, maybe this is besides the point, but that's my problem with modern interior design, too. I can't get into the sharp shapes. <laughs> Call me crazy, but I don't want my couch to look sharp. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, maybe I was a part of that study in a past life, but maybe. I like soft things. Me too. Uh, it's couches. This couch right here. It's very comfortable. It look, looks very cushy. Yeah. Always. I, I don't understand. Seats I think I couches. might have the same couch in pink. It's really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great, right? I'm like looking at it and I love it. Love it. Highly recommend. Yes. But yeah, so that's, so that's what, that's what we talk about. And, and, and he, um, and you know, he, he gets up in front of, you know, crowds of like, hundreds of people and he bears his soul and, yeah. and, and he, and he cries and he's like, this is what happened to my family. I didn't live with my wife. I didn't live with my kids because of other people's closed mindedness because other people felt a type of way about my child. Mm-hmm. And, and that really pushed both of us to, and, and it was nice because then that kind of became a bonding activity for us. And we were able to kind of make up some of the time that we didn't get to spend together. And, you know, now I got to travel around with my dad and, you know, lots of time in airports with my dad and, and, and just, you know, spend some time together after not living together for six years. Yeah. That's incredible. What, what happened that you had to leave? So I started transitioning when I was in first grade. And we did a very slow sort of thing. Like it was like that first year was really like, okay, maybe you can wear a pink t-shirt like every other day, maybe. Yeah. It was like baby steps. Mm -hmm. Like people talk about it. Like they like pulled me out of school and like stuck a shot of estrogen in my butt. Like (laughs) it was such a slow pain. First of all, I would have loved if they'd have done that first of all. Cause I was like, come on, let's pick up the pace. Cause everyone was moving at such a slow as death pace Mm -hmm. because everyone wants to make sure they're like, I'm sorry. Are you sure you're trans? Yeah. Maybe you're gay. Like bizarre to me Mm -hmm. how, how how overly cautious people are. Cause like being trans is like the worst thing they could imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was a slow process and sort of every school year we'd tack on a new thing, like, okay, now you can grow your hair. Okay. Now you can do this. And in fifth grade, I was fully transitioned and, you know, I was wearing skirts. That was a big thing for me. I wasn't allowed to wear skirts even until, until I was in fifth grade. Um, and everything was fine. And I was using the girl's bathroom because, you know, all the, all the girls are my friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, because that's the other thing. Kids don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Kids really don't care because they don't know that. Again, same thing as me. They didn't know it was supposed to be wrong. Yeah. They just, you know, I was like, and it was part of my introduction. I, I said, hi, I'm Wyan. I'm a boy who wants to be a girl. What's your name? They're like, oh, I don't know. Hi, I'm Mariah. And I like the color red and trucks. Yeah. Like it, it, was, that was, it was on the same level yeah. as, as trucks. Um, <laughs> Or maybe trucks are just on the same level as profound gender experiences. I mean, look, uh, you know, it, it takes a lot of courage, I think, to like trucks in a in a car society. Brave. Yeah. Right. Frankly, yeah. Um, I can't. I, I mean, listen, I, I, and frankly, it is brave to even drive near one after final destination. I can't. I hate driving Those near things. trucks all the Yeah, it's, it's terrible, especially in L.A. But, um, but yeah, and everything was fine. So I was using the multi-stall girls bathroom and there was a student in my class, a boy, mind you. And his grandfather was a part of a special interest Christian right group as they always are. And 
they did not think that it was good that a boy was using the girl's bathroom. So their answer was to have a boy use the girl's bathroom. And they sent the grandson in after me as a political statement. And he said that my grandpappy says we don't have to have any faggots in our school. And at that point, the school stopped working with us. And they'd been fully cooperative up until this point. And they and as soon as they started getting pressure from this grandfather and from this group, they were like, well, why can this boy use the girl's bathroom and this boy can't? They pulled me from the girl's bathroom and they put me in the staff bathroom away from all the other kids. And they said, well, if Nicole's the problem, then Nicole just won't use the girl's bathroom anymore. And what that did was that sent a, a message to the rest of the community that said, hey, here is this child who is so different from the rest of you that they cannot be permitted to exist in the same public spaces, which feels like something we've done before. I feel like every time a, a, a social issue comes up or a civil rights issue comes up, the first thing to happen is people lock the bathrooms. And people get like, okay, now where is this different person going to pee? Because that's what I'm frankly concerned about. And they should have their own bathroom. Like, why do we keep going back to that? No! Separate is not equal. It's never been equal. It never worked. Why is it bathrooms, too? It's like the worst place. Because people, I guess, get in a weird state of vulnerability when their pants are around their ankles. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. People are shy poopers. (laughs) But I'm like... (laughs) I have a condition. I can't... I just can't go if I'm worried that there might be somebody I don't understand. I have a condition. If there's a, if there's a possibility, there's a tranny in the bathroom. I just can't go. Uh, My delicate stomach. (laughs) It's so weird. Um, But, but yeah, so, um, so they pulled me and they, and they, and they sent a message to the rest of the um, rest of the school and, and they just stopped working with us. And it was, it was never like, it was never the same after that and we kept trying to reopen these channels of dialogue and it only got worse they gave me a bodyguard to make sure i didn't go into the girls bathroom because sometimes i'd slip in because you know rebel <laughs> and so they gave me a bodyguard who was just an adult who followed me around and made sure i was using the right bathroom and if i got up to go to the bathroom from class the teacher would stop me at the door and tell me to, to, you know, await for whoever's following me that day because it was always different. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the bullies are roaming the halls free. They don't get a bodyguard yeah. to make sure they don't bully people. And the bodyguard didn't even do shit because the bullies were so bold as to keep harassing me in the direct presence of said bodyguard. Yeah, this, I don't think bodyguard is the right word here. Um, oh, well, actually. they called it the eyes on program. I called it the eyes shut program because their eyes always seemed to be shut when I was getting blatantly harassed in the hallways. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, so it was just, it, and if, you know, if we'd go to a field trip or, or somewhere, the school would call ahead and they'd say, Oh, Hey, here's this student. You know, I know it looks like a girl. Don't let them use the girl's bathroom at your facility. And not everywhere has a gender neutral facility. So, you know, sometimes you just hold it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it just got to the point where it, it, it wasn't, we, we were going to go. Um, I think the final straw was I was going to go, I was in the outing club and I was going to go on a whitewater rafting trip and it was a camping trip. And they said, well, she can come, but she can't stay in a tent with the other girls. And I was like, these are all my best friends that are going. Like I've slept in the same bed. 
as all of these girls. And they're like, no, can't do it. Okay, well, what if we get a signed permission slip? We sign from every parent saying that they're okay with Nicole coming on the trip. Nope, can't do it. And it just, it, it became very, very clear that they were not looking to change what they were doing. So my parents and I, well, my mother and, and Jonas and I packed up and we moved to Portland and my dad stayed behind in Orno to keep his job. And so that's where that all came from. And then we ended up filing suit against the school district on the grounds of unlawful discrimination. And that went to the main state Supreme Court and it set a precedent because that was the first time that a state Supreme Court had ruled in favor of a transgender family because this was all happening 2007, 2008. Wow. And as of 2005, sexual orientation and gender identity were protected class under the Maine Human Rights Act. Mm. However, that court case still took five years to get settled, even though it was already on the books. Mm-hmm. Because the justices, you know, they, they wanted to be like, mm, okay, but do we follow the law in this case? Should we? Because no one wanted to be the first people to decide which side of the fence this issue was going to fall on. And we just got lucky that, frankly, that, that, that the right people were, were on the bench at the right time. Um, but, it's, but it set a precedent for other cases like that. Because what's, what was special about that is that it wasn't special at all. Mm-hmm. The exact same thing is happening to trans kids all over the country. And, 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 and frankly, um, still in Maine, I still hear from kids and especially in more rural parts of the state that are like, my school's not letting me go where I need to go. And I'm like, I did not fucking fight a five year lawsuit for this shit. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I just found out there's a, a, a anti-trans sports bill in Maine right now, trying to, t- trying to ban transgender girls from school sports. And I'm like, we went through all this shit before. Why are we going back to it? It's just so it's rehashing the same stuff over and over and over again. And it's the same conversation. It's like like with the with the bathrooms. It's just trying to decide, OK, can we still discriminate against these people? Yeah. OK, well, can we discriminate against these people? OK, well, surely these people don't deserve rights. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. Did, when um, were you involved in the decision to to file the suit? Not really. I think that was more of my parents' decision. Like I, I obviously signed off on it. Yeah. But um, I think that was more their call because I was, you know, I was in sixth grade. That wasn't really my yeah. call to make anyway. Um, How did you feel about it at the time? I felt that it was appropriate. Yeah. I was like, you know, I have to leave my school. I have to leave my friends. I have to move away from my dad, away from my house that I loved. I had a whole giant forest in my backyard that I got to explore and have a great time climbing trees. I had to leave all of that behind to go back in the closet and not tell anybody who I was and be ashamed of who I was. Yeah. So I was like, good. Yes, we should. They fucked us. <laughs> well, cause I feel like, I mean, it's, that's an amazing thing, right? Like, like I imagine this is something that you're, you're proud of. Oh, um, absolutely. Like, when did you feel like that source? Like, when did you feel that pride of like, Hey, I'm, I'm actually doing something here. When we won. Yeah. When we won, I was like, oh, fuck it. yeah. Fuck yes, we fucking won. And I, I, I mean, it was, it felt very good to have that on the books again and have that doubled down on. And it's just another, you know, any legal victory for, for queer issues is a major victory because we need all of them that we can get right now, frankly, um, especially in regards to bathrooms, because I, I, people get weird about it mm-hmm. and people are just like, 
and this is the weird thing with bathrooms and this, and, and I, I had forgotten what I was going to say earlier and I just remembered. So I wanted to go back to it. It's a weird thing about bathrooms because people are so concerned that like people are just going to like walk in and like molest somebody in broad daylight, which a couple things. I want you to tell me the last person, the last time you ever made eye contact <laughs> with another person in a public restroom, mm. let alone talk to them, spoke to them, had a conversation. Who's molesting people in a bathroom in broad daylight in public? Yeah. Second, there is no bouncer. You do not have to dress up like a woman to go into the woman's bathroom. There is oftentimes not even a door. You just walk in. There is no guard. Third, let's entertain for a moment. And I don't want to use the word entertain because I think it's a ludicrous argument that should not be entertained. But if somebody did think that transgender legislation allowing trans people to be who they are and being recognized for who they are, if someone did think that that granted them any kind of leniency loophole, whatever, and they put on a dress, went into the public girl's restroom and sexually assaulted someone, the sexual assault is still illegal. Yeah. It's still a crime. I, like letting trans people be who they are in no way, shape or form legalizes sexual assaults or harassment in, in any sense of the word. It's just like this weird, like someone saw like, silence of the lambs once and is like oh geez they all oh my god are they all making skin suits out of women oh well we have to protect ourselves uh, i'm imagining just like uh, a horde of sexual assaulters just like waiting for legislation to be passed so There's- that they're allowed to go in <laughs> just a horde of sexual assaulters and sex yeah. offenders like at the forever 21 buying cute little dresses and being like "Ooh, today's the day oh, i can't wait for those justices Ooh. to make that ruling oh i can't wait for trans people to get to be people and then i'll have a loophole yes like <laughs> what it's bizarre it's a bizarre and it's a non-issue and, and it's all smoke and mirrors to distract from what's actually happening which is you know republican congressmen having sex with little boys in bathrooms yeah which is much more common yeah when you when you, a- when you when you asked uh when's the last time i made eye contact with somebody in a bathroom it made me remember that when I was a kid, um, there was a, an army recruitment guy who went next to me in a st- in a urinal and tried to recruit me into the army as uh, we were going to the bathroom, which was no joke. That's my that's my nightmare. That's my hell. <laughs> <laughs> that is my personal hell. It was. It was not great being at a urinal and having someone try to recruit you for the army. Yeah. First of all, I have to imagine that having anybody even just standing next to you yep. at the urinal is awful. It was empty too. He, he had a choice. Yeah. That's even worse. Yeah. That's so much worse. <laughs> Our, and, and then the army will be like, why is nobody signing up? <laughs> I was like, hey, we I was just like, can't get to the bottom of this. I told him, I'm going to school for film. And he was like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Bathrooms, man. They're weird. People don't know how to behave in them. <laughs> Apparently. I'm like, no, you keep your head down. You look at your shoes and you don't talk to anybody. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I will say just complete aside at this point. Um, 
my favorite thing about uh, masks is being able to wear a mask in a bathroom. It's just, it makes me feel so much better about. It being gives me there. a little bit of privacy. I feel like it's just a little bit of like uh, I feel like I'm just a, like a little bit protected by yeah. from the, the particles, you know? Yeah, like it's like I feel like <laughs> the particles. Yes, I was gonna say from the shame, <laughs> the shame, <laughs> the shame. <laughs> but uh, listen, ugh. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, Listen, well now you know with the masks you can go into the bathroom make as big a mess as you want they're not going to know who did it yeah this the, the the masked mess maker <laughs> strikes again new on fox <laughs> mask going, singer it's a little old. are we going to allow masks in bathrooms anymore you can't say that because someone's going to take that seriously oh boy Someone's going to start a movement. Uh, yeah, I forgot they already don't some, like that. Some anti-masker yeah. is going to be like, you're right. <laughs> we need accountability in bathrooms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, facial recognition for all bathroom entrants. Um, no, right. not, no, that's my hell. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you had to move. Um, and you, I mean, that's this, uh, like, uh, I, I mean, this is, this is, Obviously, it turns out okay yeah. in the end, but this is a heartbreaking story. I mean, you oh, had absolutely. to move. You had to go back into the closet. I mean, how yeah. long did that last? Two years. Two I, years. I can't imagine. Years. You know, it was a complete shift in how I interacted with my peers. Yeah. Because in elementary school and in sixth grade, I had never had to worry about who I Like, yes, like people were bullying me because of who I was, but I got to be who I was. Yeah. And I didn't have to feel like that was something that I ever needed to hide Mm -hmm. because that was something that I never had from a very early age. You know, I was like three, four years old when I came out to my parents because I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. I was like, oh, why shouldn't I tell my parents? Obviously, my caregivers Mm -hmm. should know what's going on with me. Um, And... So then having to then actively conceal that from classmates. And you know how it is being like a new kid in school. Everyone wants to know, oh, why'd you move? What are your old friends like? What was your old school like? Like, where are you coming from? And I couldn't tell them any of that. And so I just kind of shut down for two years. And I didn't really have as many friends. I stopped having sleepovers and I stopped going over to friends' houses. And I stopped all of that because I just did not know how to navigate friendships while also actively not telling them such a big part of who I am. How do you connect with people when you can't share yourself? Exactly. It's like, it's a big part of my history of of how I've lived my life, the lens through which I've lived my life. And, and I can't, I can't share that with anybody. So how am I going to really have meaningful relationships with any of them? Mm -hmm. I was, um, I was in an acting troupe. That was one thing I did. I was in an acting troupe, an all girls acting troupe. And one of my classmates was in the group too. And one time we were walking down the stairs and she told me, yeah, gee, it's so nice to have you in the group. You know, you couldn't be here if you were trans. And I was like, and I had the moment. I was like, if I throw this bitch over the railing, it'll look <laughs> like an accident. And I was like, good thing I'm not. That's me. Good old sister Nicole. Oh, you could count on her. It was, it was like that was like the whole, the whole world stopped. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I was like, I don't know if she read an article, like because there, there were newspaper articles like written about our family. Like mm-hmm. we tried to keep our name out of them, but you know, like you know, because the grandfather was he was on a full tilt like media frenzy. Like, look at what this school's doing. Articles, newspapers, op eds, the whole nine yards it was for a total. And, it, and I mean, it, you want to talk about evil for a second? 
let's talk about subjecting a fifth grader to all of that. Mm-hmm. I've still never spoken to this man or been in the same room as this man. And that is what is the most mind boggling to me mm-hmm. is that someone could just completely upheave, ruin, destroy my life without ever being in the same room as me, without ever having to look me in the eye and tell me what he's doing. And I find out years later, just um, a couple of years ago, he was arrested for vandalizing some pride, um, some, some pride monuments in Bangor. Yeah, it's not surprising. And we're like, Paul, back at it again. But frankly, I think the, the, the best way that we can, that we can get back at this guy is because he did spark a landmark case that mm. set a precedent for transgender rights in this country. Yeah. I think that we should offer him a spot to be a grand marshal of a pride parade. <laughs> I think that'd really make him mad. Change maker. I think we should just be like, thank you so much for everything you've done for our community. You have really moved the gay agenda forward. Pioneer. Mm. Yeah. I mean, listen, the best revenge is a happy ending. But the best yeah. revenge is uh, apparently making him ride a float. Yeah. I've never well, ridden a float right. before. I've never ridden a float before, but I've like ridden in a parade, like in a car. Yeah. But I have to imagine a float's fucking cool. I feel like even if, awesome. I feel like surely even this guy would on some level be like, that's kind of cool yeah. to get on a float right now. Right. <laughs> he, would, he would absolutely deny it to himself. But oh, like, of course. Yeah. Oh, he, well, he'd have to pray on it. <laughs> This is this is un, un, unclean, unclean feelings. <laughs> Can't enjoy floats. Lord, <laughs> what do I do about wanting to be on this parade float? <laughs> I know it's a sin. God being like, no, it's the fuck not. What is wrong with you? <laughs> you think I care? What do you think floats are for, dude? That's the number one thing I'm always whenever people are like citing religion or anything for their bigotry and for their hatred. And when they're being like, oh, God hates us. I'm like, I'm sorry. You're trying to tell me that the furnace of all creation, first of all, is a man. Second, cares about one, you two, what's in your pants? The, The creator of everything of the entire universe cannot stand the thought of a trans person. That is what keeps it up at night. Mm. okay sure not like dormammu or something but like no trannies that's the that's the nightmare yeah it's uh yeah it's it's yeah it's also just like i mean i mean we're like uh you know we're 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 you know preaching to each other right now but it's it's so like because i don't know i guess i guess you don't always like because you think about how dumb it is, but you don't always like really just drill down on every single level about how yeah. dumb well, it is. Well, when you sit with it for a second, you're like, and this is what I always tell people when they're like, Jesus says it's wrong. And I'm like, okay, well, when he comes back, <laughs> we can ask him. Yeah. But for right now, it's been 2021 years. Mm. I'm going to take my own cue on this one. And when he gets here, We'll ask. We yeah. can go together and we'll ask. It's like a mean older sibling being like, mom's going to be mad at you. It's like, <laughs> all right, why don't we wait for her then? That is exactly what it is, actually. That's exactly what it is. Mom's <laughs> gonna, I'm telling. Yeah. <laughs> then tell. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs>
We're really out here solving the world's problems. We are. I don't know why. Like, uh, if ever just listened to this podcast, I feel like we'd be it'd be done. Listen. Yeah. We just boom solved transphobia. Man, Uh, it's just uh, I guess it's just a marketing issue at this point. We just need to get this out. That is the number one issue I've noticed with the church is it's marketing. (laughs) (laughs) It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, so, I mean, this is this is clearly, like, this is something that, that means a lot to you, not just uh, sort of, you know, uh, like, you know, the, the, the argument of it, but like the ad, advocation, ad, advocating of it. Um, yeah. I think advocation is right. Huh. It doesn't sound right to me, but. <laughs> I believed you. Well, there you go. That's, I, I needed to believe in myself there. If I just said it, nobody would have questioned it. Um, you, you care about advocating for these things. Like yeah. you, you are, um, uh, do, do you, uh, like, is that something that you, I guess, like, do you, is this something that you like, you, you like to be this person or, or do you feel like I, I wish that I didn't have to be this person? It's both. Yeah. You know, I am very happy with who I am and I'm very happy to do this work. And, and because, it, you know, it's a, it's a part of me, it's a part of my history. And, and I, especially having this platform, you understand having a platform, you kind of feel like you have a bit of a responsibility to talk about things that matter and, mm-hmm. and, and, and share what you've learned with the people who, who, who are subscribing to what you have to say. Um, but on the other hand, absolutely. I don't want to keep doing this. It's the same conversation over and over again. And every time a new bill is introduced or a new piece of legislation is put forth, that is just a, a rewording of the same shit we've been arguing with before. And I just, now my response has been, I don't know how else to explain to people that they should care about other people. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it's boiled down to. Is it just, we, we, you, we can throw science and we can throw faith and we can throw all of it around and we can keep tossing them back and forth. But at the end of the day, it all boils down to just caring about other people and also mining it's just I'm like I don't know how to explain that to people and and that is true of every major social issue right now I feel like at the root of all of it is people who just don't really care what happens to other people and it's like well I hate to break it to you you might not be a good person yeah it's 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 a frustrating conversation to have I think because I think probably the response is no no, no I'm doing this because I care about people right and that's um, and that's where where the difficulty comes in. Yeah. A lot of people 
think that they are doing the right thing. Yeah. And, and, and that's what my dad told me. He, he always was like, Nicole, you, you have to have faith that most people are good people. You know, th- th- there's like 5% of people who are just nasty. You, you can't, you know, no point in giving them airtime, listening to what they have to say, because it doesn't matter. Most people in this world are good people and they just don't know it yet. Mm-hmm. And that's what he always told me. Yeah. And like, like for him, like he wasn't about, he wasn't about to, you know, obviously like cuss at a trans person passing him on the street, but you know, he wasn't about to talk to them either. Yeah. He wasn't about to, you know, but, but now, you know, that's the community that came to his aid when, when we needed it. And that's what really showed opened his eyes when 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 we were struggling when our family had to had to split apart it was you know the the nose piercing purple hair mohawk uh you know queer community that came to our aid and 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 his you know what he had thought was his 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 base his you know the nra kind of shooting he was an nra shooting sports instructor he was a republican he's a veteran He's like, all of that was just kind of like, yeah. And, and so that's what really sort of made him realize. Um, but most of the people, again, are good people. They just don't know yet. And they just have to be given a reason to care. Mm-hmm. And that's what I talk about. I'm like, you do not know if your child is going to be trans. You do not know if your grandchild is going to be trans. If your child is going to fall in love with a, with a trans person, like you don't know at what stage in your life, you will be confronted with this, but I promise you, you will, you will meet a trans person, especially now more than ever. We're coming out of the word work. We're not ashamed to be who we are anymore. We are, we are more and more often and regularly proudly stating who we are and living our truths. And so it's more likely that you are going to have to encounter one of us at some point. And so you should, you know, get with that shit. Because it's, again, not our problem. It's your problem mm-hmm. that you have to deal with. That is your responsibility. If you are carrying that kind of negativity around, it is your responsibility to deal with it and get it in check. Yeah. When you, when you had to move, um, your dad had to stay. Uh, obviously, so many reasons why that must have been difficult. But I, I imagine this. It also, did you ever feel like, because uh, obviously this is not true, but did you ever feel like this is my fault. Like I'm the reason this is happening. Of course, of course. Because I mean, even now, it's I kind of am. I kind yeah. of was. Like I, I, I wasn't. I mean, obviously, the reason was was people's bigotry. It was the school's fault and this grandfather's fault. But I recognized that I was kind of the catalyst for that, and I couldn't help but feel like some responsibility mm-hmm. for breaking my family up. And that's that was a really hard thing to grapple with. Yeah, because it's like it's reasonably I understand that it had to do with my being trans and yes obviously if I wasn't trans that wouldn't have happened but also that wouldn't have happened if people minded their own business that wouldn't have happened if people just trusted that I knew who I was that wouldn't have happened if really they had gone about it in literally any other way or just even looking at the law, knowing the law, being aware of the law and telling this grandfather, yeah, you can sue us all you want. But as according to, you know, the Maine Human Rights Act of 2005, we're doing what we are legally obligated to do, which is allow this child to be who they need to be. Mm-hmm. How much of uh, was there uh, you said for two years you had to sort of like go back into the closet? Mm-hmm. Uh, was there like a moment uh, that it ended? Was it like when you finished school? 
Like, yeah. When I, when I went into high school, we, we, we started going to um, a private high school um, that was really, really progressive and, and was really proactive in making sure that it was a safe environment for me and, and, and for Jonas. And so my parents, you know, they were like, okay, yeah, yeah, you can be out at this school. And the challenge that I noticed was I had forgotten really how to come out to people yeah, because I hadn't had to do it in so long. I was like, God, how do I even begin to broach this subject with my classmates? Well, also for two years, that was like super negative. Like, super, can't do like that. no, my parents were like, if you tell somebody, we're going to have to move again. It was like yeah. under fear of like picking the whole family up and moving again. Mm-hmm. This time to like probably California or something was, was what they said. Um, but when I, the, so the first girl I came out to um, was a girl I had grown close to. Um, we <laughs> So, so, uh, I went to, I went to Wayne fleet. And so every, um, fall at the beginning of the school year, they'll send the grades out into the main wilderness to just like get along team building. They called it outdoor experience. My very first year, our guide got us lost in the woods. I was like, Oh, great. First year of high school. I'm going to die in the woods. Um, but there was this girl I had gotten close to, um, named Leah. And on the bus ride back, she came out to me as pansexual actually. And so that was kind of like, oh, I know you're going to be a safe space. Yeah. And so then I was able and totally fine. She was like, oh, my God, that's awesome. She asked me like follow up questions. And we like talked about it in a positive way Mm -hmm. for the first time in ever. Somebody thought me being trans was cool. Yeah. And that is kind of why I tell people why it's so important to make to, to make yourself known as a safe space. And that's something everybody can do. Everyone always wants to know, well, what can I do to help? Well, how can I be an advocate? I'm not an advocate. You share what you see on social media. You let people know that you're a safe space because doing stuff like that makes it so much easier for a trans person who's going through all that, who doesn't even know how to begin to broach that subject. Yeah. And just kind of like, oh my God, thank you for kind of just like, you know, just kind of providing us a boost. You, we really need that because you don't know what somebody's reaction is going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it, 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 I've seen people, you know, go from perfectly nice to, ah, <laughs> like I was a door to door canvasser for quality main for a while. And my friend Austin um, went to this one woman's door and she shook a cross in his face and slammed the door. I was like, I just wanted to like go back to that woman and be like, girl, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're using your like I uh, endlessly exhausting. Yeah. I, I, um, I, uh, I, I was, I was, I helped do phone calls for the, um, I don't even remember. Yes on one or no on one. Um, it was the gay marriage. It it switched. Yeah. Like I remember one year it was yes. The other year it was no, I think, no, I think it was no. Right. Because the governor made it legal and they were trying to knock it down. And so we were trying to, def- we lost uh, that one. Um, yes. Yes. Because it was no on one that we lost. Yeah. And then a couple of years later, it was a yes on one because they want, then it was more of a like legalize it. And so we were like, right. yeah. <laughs> and that, cause I remember the no on one had the green posters and the yes on one had the orange. Posters. And, and that was part of the problem too, is that it was confusing to, to like explain. And that was part of the, my problem, but I did have people uh, yell at me over the phone uh, about it. It's really yeah. hard work. Yeah really really hard work i did phone baking for a while too i can't do it i have, I have such phone anxiety oh. <laughs> but oh. i mean that's but that's that's what like you know that's what you have to deal with all the time when in terms of like just like any random person totally. 
Totally. You have no idea you have how no they'll idea respond to who you are. Get. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So it's like, if you can let somebody know that you're a safe space, please do. Because I guarantee you it's so fucking nerve wracking. It's yeah. getting better. It's getting really, really better. I'm, I'm less and less hearing horror stories from kids about their families and about their parents um, and about their schools. Um, but, you, you know, there's a long way to go. As long as it's still happening, there's work to do. Yeah. Um, well, you said you, you got onto, oh, what was it? Royal Pains? Yes. I remember that show. Um, it's, it's funny, too, because uh, I also met Brendan when we, when we played Sequester. And I huh. had seen multiple things that he was in. And even just yeah. recently, he was like, uh, oh, yeah, I was in that movie, The Guest. And I was like, I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the best thing. Now, being friends with so many actors, it's fun to flip through the channel yeah. and be like, that's my boo. <laughs> I was I was I was um, a couple years ago. I was I was sick and I was quarantining in a hotel room because I had flown to Los Angeles and got like some crazy like throat virus. Wow. Um, and so I like couldn't leave my hotel room and. Like I couldn't talk. I couldn't swallow. Like I was just sitting in my hotel room, like a ghost, um, wheezing. And I was flipping through the channels and Jurassic world was on. And I got to see my good dear friend, Katie McGraw, get hoisted up into the air by a pterodactyl and dropped into a big <laughs> Megalodon tank and eaten alive. And I was like, you go girl. Good to see you. That's so funny. It, it was great. It's, uh, it's one of my favorite things I yeah. walked. It's, and it's all, and I say my friends, it's always just Katie. She's been in, everything ever made yeah i walk i walked into um i was home for christmas one year and i walked into my living room and my mother was watching merlin and, and i was like oh, it's weird it's bizarre it's a really bizarre feeling like just seeing people you know i'm like i just saw you and now you're like i i have a terrible case of the fangirls yeah because i'm just i'm mean, like my friends are cool and i get excited when i see them and things yeah i mean it's it's that's a it's 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 cool were you always um you know you always liked acting but were you always into like watching movies yeah. and shows yeah loved loved i loved watching them and what i was really specifically into is i loved like the animation and the special effects and the cgi and i loved seeing how all that came together and so i would sit in front of the tv with um with the remote pausing frame by frame and looking at how the special effects change from from frame to frame and yeah. just i don't know what hours of that wow hours of just sitting there pausing a movie were you ever interested in doing special effects not really you just like I just like, I I was kind of like, I was like, no, I'm just an appreciative viewer from afar. Like, I don't want to get involved. You do your (laughs) thing, but like, I'm, I'm rooting for you guys. (laughs) Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, so you, you did that show that must've been like, as an actor, very validating to be like, wow, like this is, this is a realistic ish, maybe, uh, like career path for me. Um, before that, was it just like, was it a hobby? Was it like a pipe dream? Was it, or were you yeah. like, this is going to happen? It was, it was like a more of a pipe dream. It was like, if it happens, great. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. Doing Royal Pains kind of legitimized it for me. And I was like, oh, it's possible. Oh, maybe I could do this. But then I went to school at the university and, you know, was doing auditions after audition after audition, getting nothing. And, and by the time my junior year was over, I was really discouraged. Yeah. I was like, oh, I, think I maybe just got lucky that one time. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to happen again. And then just as I was kind of starting to get ready to give up, I got cast in 
Bit, which is um, the vampire movie that I did. I watched um, that actually. Wow. It was very good. I love. It. Thank you very much. It was very fun. Like, like genuinely, it was so it was really much cool. fun. I was listening yeah. to um, the Wolfman of Mars. Uh, I was listening to the scores last night, actually, um, just because yeah. I'm like, it has a dope soundtrack. <laughs> it's like the kind of like '80s throwback. Like, I love it. It, it has um, a very like uh, like like um, it's very stylized in that way. Yeah. Totally, totally. Um, and, and Brad, the writer director, he credits himself with the single-handed revival that the song Rasputin has seen the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. And I honestly think that's true. I, I, I give that to him. Like, it's yeah. a, I don't know if you've seen, like, on TikTok, but, like, everybody's using that song now. And I'm like, and he's like, that was us. That was me. <laughs> and I was like, yes, it was, Brad. Yes, it was. Yeah, there you but, go. But um, so I came out and I did that movie. And again, like, that's still some of the most fun I've ever had mm-hmm. getting to do that movie. It was amazing. And then while I was doing that, I got cast in Supergirl. And so it was just like a, the only way I can really describe it is kind of like Wizard of Oz, sepia to Technicolor. Yeah. Like it was, it was just hard zero to a hundred moment, yeah. but it's possible. And it really made me realize I was like, everything kind of does happen for a reason. You know, you're at the right place. You're at the right time. You will do what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. If you put in the work, if you try, if you manifest it, if you work towards that, it is possible. Um, and so that that gave me a lot of faith, um, faith in that. Just like in the universe, I think. I was yeah. kind of like, okay, all right. I like to believe there's something. I don't know if it's, you know, we're getting spiritual on this Let's podcast. Go. But I'm like, I don't know if it's God. I don't know if it, I don't think that's for me to decide. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I recognize my place in the universe and that is not to try to understand what the furnace of creation. Mm-hmm. Um, if it is God, if it is the universe, I, it's nice to believe that there's something with its foot on the gas, whatever yeah. it may be. Um, and, and, and my kind of journey into acting has kind of solidified my belief that like, okay, yes, things do happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. How did, how did the, uh, how did Supergirl happen? Were you, was it just a random yeah. audition? Yeah. Yeah. It was just another audition. My agent sent me, they said, this is a big one. So, cause usually I just filmed them on like photo booth on my laptop because mm-hmm. I was a poor college kid and that's what I had. Um, I didn't have like a fancy camera or anything to record things on. Um, so, um, I paid a kid like 70 bucks to film and edit it. And, um, I read it with, with my friend and, we sent it off. And then when I was in Los Angeles, they had asked, oh, can she send in another self-tape? My agent said, no need. She's actually filming in Los Angeles right now. So I had one day off from filming. And so I went to the Warner Brothers lot, auditioned for our showrunners and the executive producer. The next day, I was a superhero. Wow. Yeah. It was bizarre. It was a bizarre kind of like just... Yeah. just happened. I was like, oh, wow. My life just dramatically changed forever in the blink of an eye. Yeah. What? So, uh, was it? Was it? Did it feel different working uh, on that kind of that kind of set? I mean, you used to do like the transition to just like a regular set was already like. Well. Yeah, I mean, all three of them are such different projects, mm-hmm. and they're so. And that's what I liked about them. I was. It was kind of, and I got a feel for like different types of shows and what kind of what kind of stuff I like doing. Um, I mean, Supergirl is is. is was so much fun because there was so much, I mean, we had the, the best crew, mm-hmm. the best crew, the best cast. We had so much fun. Um, I mean, we got to be superheroes. 
and not everyone can say that. Yeah. And so, I mean, and, and it's something that I'm, I'm endlessly proud of. Yeah. It is. And, and it's just, and it's cheesy and like <laughs> feelings. Um, as it is, it feels like something that I was really meant to do and, and, and creating this superhero and, and building her up from what she was originally intended to be, which was just, you know, a, an original character for the show into what she is becoming now. I, I just, I wrote her introduction into the DC comic universe um, this past June for the DC pride issue. I'm writing a new graphic novel featuring the all now, like it feels like creating this superhero is something I'm supposed to be doing and I'm doing it and it feels really exciting. Yeah. How, like, what is the, uh, what, what is the future for the character? Like you, are you plan to do more with it? I have so many ideas. Yeah. I have. And, and that's the thing I'll, cause I, I, I love to, like I said, I love to take walks and go on strolls and, and that's all I think about at any given moment. I'm thinking about Nia. I'm thinking about dreamer. I'm coming up with ideas. Like, you know, sometimes you run programs in the background on your computer. That's yeah. how my brain works. <laughs> yeah. There's just a constant dreamer program running in the mm-hmm. background, coming up with new ideas. Ooh, what if we do this? My problem, however, is that I'll come up with an idea, think it's fucking dope, and then realize realistically, oh, that's probably not an idea that I could utilize for the next five, 10 years. Yeah. down the road. And so I'm like, that, that'll be great when she's an established superhero. Mm. But, you know, just starting off right now, you know, I'm... So So what I'm doing right now is the graphic novel is kind of like, um, there's not too much I can say, but it's like a... Kind of like her, it's her origin story. This mm-hmm. is going to be like her comic book origin. Um, I'm really excited for people to see it because I'm having so much fun with it. Um, and it's nervous because I'm not like... A, I wasn't like a writer. I never... Yeah. I never was thinking that was something that I was ever going to do. So, um... I'm like, I'm like, I hope it's any good. I don't know what people want in a, in a, in a comic book. And I'm just writing a, a comic that I would read that I would think is cool. And I don't know if my taste is everybody else's taste, <laughs> but it's got lots of puns, lots of Easter eggs and lots of, you know, superhero comic book action. Yeah. So, has this, has this happened before where like there was a, is there's an original character on screen that's essentially like, cause like, you are the character like in a way that I feel like doesn't exist yeah. a lot at it's really, least it's a unique situation yeah, yeah especially because, now that you're writing the character like that yeah. I feel like that's like yeah. that, so really, you are this person <laughs> yeah I mean my relationship with this character might be borderline a little unhealthy but um <laughs> you know this isn't about me or my psychoanal uh, and yeah, psycho if, if you're not watching the video uh that's uh, literally who is dreamer uh is behind her and <laughs> Um, it's yeah that's her that's yeah this is an actual are you gonna put on a costume and start like uh being a superhero in real life you know i would but um i'm 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 working on a new project right now and they wanted me to um to to do a learn how to do like a round off and i'm like okay like i can hardly do a cartwheel What's okay. a, a round off is a that? round off is like a cartwheel, but then you turn around 180 degrees in the air mm. and like land with both feet. Mm. And then it's supposed to like prep you to go into a back handspring. Right. Um, and you were like, and I'm like, mm. <laughs> and I woke up this morning. I thought I was like, yeah, I'll get this. Like I didn't do it great, but I was like, I made some good progress yesterday. I woke up this morning I could feel everything in my legs. And that was the problem. 
everything hurt. And so that kind of told me, I'm like, maybe a vigilante career is not in my future. It's just growing pains. You'll get there. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Jump in front of a bad guy and I'm like, ooh, my thighs. <laughs> oh, can we do this with as little running as possible? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so actually, you you know what? Take her purse. You go, you go. I can't do this today. Just look, I haven't, I haven't done a lot of this yet. I'm still sore. Um, or on the other hand, I give full Michelle Pfeiffer and Batman returns and I'm like, be gentle. It's my first time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, love. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so you're still, you're still also, you know, um, acting looking like uh, getting new roles new new exciting things mm-hmm. uh very cool thank um, you very much is that uh, is that the plan like uh, is this is this um you know cuz i feel like sometimes uh when actors start to like direct or write something like oh this is actually kind of fun um but you're like you you're full on acting is my thing i think it can be both i yeah. kind of was always of the mindset that I was like, as far as we know, as far as, you know, scientific evidence supports, we have one life. YOLO. Mm. I'm like, I want to do it all. Yeah. I, I am down to have as many, to put my hands in as many cookie jars as possible, keep my arms in as many doors as possible and just try different things. And cause why not? Yeah. You have an opportunity to do something, try it. Um, and so I absolutely am going to continue acting, but I'm also going to continue writing because it's something I discovered I really, really like to do. And yeah. I think I'm good at it. I'm having a marvelous time. Um, and as long as they're going to say yes to me, and because that's the thing also. And, and even when I get concerned, I'm like, oh God, is my, I do good in this scene? Oh, geez. That's not my, I don't, I'm not the person who has to worry about that. That's yeah. the casting. That's on casting. That's on directing. That's on the viewer. You know, if, if the viewer had a good time, great. That's all that matters to me. I'm going in. I'm having a great time. I'm having a blast. I'm doing what I love to do. I'm getting paid to do it. Yeah. So it could be worse. Do you feel like this is sort of like uh, the start of a new like era in your life? And now yeah. you're in L.A. Yeah, I think it feels it feels like a checkpoint. Yeah. Yeah. I got um, I got some really good advice. Um, and I, was, I was talking to my boyfriend about this last night. Because when, when I heard it, it was like just one of those pieces of advice that sticks with you. Mm-hmm. And I just, when I heard it, I was like, oh, checkpoint. <laughs> um, I was talking to um, Eric Wallace, who's the showrunner of The Flash. And I was just talking about, you know, my writing and what I'm doing with this character. And, you know, just, you know, as a, as, you know, as a black writer, he totally gets it. Mm-hmm. And he just, and he told me, he said, Nicole, break the fucking door down. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, yes. So um, and that's something I'm, I'm really carrying with me. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm really passionate about Dreamer. I'm really passionate about this superhero. And I'm really excited. And I think it has legs. I mean, and, 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 and to go back to your point, you know, has a, has a superhero ever started on screen, moved into the comics? Not a lot, but Harley Quinn originated on the Batman animated series. Oh. Um, she was supposed to be like a background character for one episode. And then fans loved her so much. They brought her back, expanded upon her story in the episode, mad love, then more in the comic by the same name. And then, you know, now she's arguably one of their biggest properties. Yeah. And so I'm like, there's no reason dreamer couldn't do that too. Yeah. Why not? She's great. And again, arguably the most powerful character in the Arrowverse. All right. so I'm like, is, is that gonna is that gonna spark uh um controversy are people gonna start 
arguing. I don't. I mean, I'm right, so it shouldn't. (laughs) It shouldn't be controversial because I'm correct. Yeah. But um, I I mean, I mean, just just you know, look at her skill set. She's seeing the the way I describe (laughs) the way I've sort of made sense of um. But yeah, no, I mean, if you look at her skill set, the way that I've kind of made sense of her to myself is I'm like, it's like if Wanda Maximoff had a green lantern ring could see the future and could fight like black widow all with the upbeat sensibility of Peter Parker. <laughs> okay. That's dreamer. She's like four superheroes in one. She's awesome. Yeah. Um, is that like, um, what, like what, what is, what would be your dream? Pardon the <laughs> dream. That's the other thing. Dreamer is all about puns. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, obviously, I mean, I would imagine it would be super cool uh, in your eyes to be able to, like, do more with this character, have a movie or a show on the character. Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, what what would be, like, your dream role uh, for as an actor? Like, uh, like, is there anything you're, like, really, like, oh, I'd love to be able to do something like this? Yeah. I mean, I really thought, like, I was, like, after superhero, what, what do you do after superhero? Yeah. I want to do Star Wars. Yeah. I want to do like Ayla Sakura or Asajj Ventress. Those are kind of my two that I'm like, I could nail both of those. And this is what, and this is my pitch. I'm like, you know what they should do? They're doing like, you know, the Obi-Wan Kenobi story, the Ahsoka Tano story, yada, yada, yada. Why are they not doing a show about Quinlan Boss? Notorious Jedi rogue, mm. Jedi master of Ayla Sakura, everyone's favorite hot Twi'lek. <laughs> like that's a show. You know, they're really, they're churning these shows out. They are pumping them out, man. (laughs) They are pumping them out. But I'm like, I'm like, yes, but also we don't have to keep going over the same six characters. There are others that we can address. And, and, And I think the cool thing about that is when you go to, you know, other characters and like other situations, it, it, really helps like build the universe out right like it totally. makes it feel more lived in and like uh totally yeah. well i'm like there's just so much content in legends that it's like you, you can keep making shows forever yeah people love you should do it please we want to <laughs> we want to keep seeing them um i, I just mean, started watching visions last night star wars oh, yeah? vision i've only i'm only i only watched three i think okay yeah. but the first one was my favorite it's, me too yeah the fir- i mean they really came out strong I was worried that 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 would be the best one and that I would. (laughs) I'm a little worried. I don't, I'm like, just so far, I'm like, I mean, you came out strong. Her lightsaber was an umbrella. It was really cool. (laughs) What? That's awesome. (laughs) So cool. Mm. Yeah. And then, and I think the third one was like, they were like a rock band or something. No, that was the second one. The third one was the twins. Right, 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 right. Which I lo- I liked it. Yeah, there just weren't any umbrellas, lightsabers. Also, I was like, when he like cut her in half, I was like, how did she not get cut in half? Yeah. Her suit did, but she didn't, but like the ship behind her did, which was just like a shot for shot remake of that um, hyperspace um, scene from, La- from Last, Last Jedi. Jedi. I was like, okay. I have to, I have to ask, uh, what are your Last Jedi thoughts? Are you a are you a supporter or a detractor of Last Jedi? There's pros and cons. 
Okay. As there are to all of them in the sequels. Yeah. As uh, you know, across the board, the sequels aren't my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I just, but that's my main, my biggest problem with it is I was just like, there's, I want to tell a Star Wars story without a Death Star. Like, why is the biggest, like, we're in a galaxy far, far away, and the biggest threat we can come up with is another laser. Well, that was, that wasn't that Force Awakens more? Yes. But then, you know, it's kind of, they're kind of like stuck thing. with it. Yeah. Same thing. You know, I don't know why they had to stop to, you know, free the kids. I felt like they were, <laughs> or their mission was a little more urgent than that. Yeah. Um, I liked the Princess Leia spacewalk. I thought it was due that she got her kind of like, you know, she, she Leia's force sensitive too. So mm-hmm. I was like, yes, thank you. She's a Skywalker too. Let's put some respect on her name. I don't know if surviving deep space was the way to do it. Yeah. It was, yeah. But. Also, and and then and then just in, in in Rise of Skywalker, I was like, "So you telling me you just had a fleet of Death Star star destroyers this whole time?" Uh, and, uh, we don't even need to uh, Rise of Skywalker. You know, <laughs> my favorite thing though is watching those reactions to people in the audience when when they're like, "Who are you?" And it's the long beat with the Skywalker um, score, and then the, just the audience going, "Don't say it." <laughs> Ray Skywalker. Ah! <laughs> That's hilarious. But I, I you know, I, they were entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. I like Rogue I mean, One. The, the peak I was literally just about to say yeah. Rogue One was that's what I want. I don't I, honestly I was like, you guys had a dope ass trilogy. And I'm a huge fan of this of the prequels. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just nostalgia for me, but I love them. I kind of liked seeing because with the prequels, then you get more into the socio-economic, yeah. political scope of what a galaxy say, far, Say far what you will about like. George Lucas. He knew how to build a worlds. Universe. Yeah. Totally. And it was, uh, that's what I really like to see. And I think with, my big problem with the sequels is it felt like just a lot of like rinse and repeat. It was kind of like, we did, we knew this worked before, yeah. so let's repurpose it for this. The universe felt smaller in the sequels. It did kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the way to describe it. Um, and then also I was like, I don't know if what's wrong with straight people, but I'm like, why are y'all kissing each other after you tried to kill each other? Why is this such a trope? Yeah. It's like, she just tried to kill him. Now they're kissing. Are you guys okay? Is, you think this is normal? Stop trying to kill each other. Yeah. Listen, I'm just saying, if you're making out, you don't hate each other that much. Yeah. You don't want to kill him that bad. <laughs> well, this was a lot of fun. This was a lot of fun. I love any opportunity I get to geek out about Star Wars. Yeah. It's uh, look, uh anytime. Oh yeah. Um we're not that far away now. If I'm if I'm up in LA, I'll let you know. If you ever come down Have to San been- Diego, please let me oh, know. Oh yeah. Have you ever speak actually speaking of um of of things in California that are Star Wars? Have you been on Rise of the Resistance yet? I haven't. It's bonkers. Yeah, it's like a full. The queue is really awesome, um, but it, like you're in a you're in a star destroyer, and there's like life size ATATs, and like it just the scope of it was bizarre, yeah, and so crazy. But it's like you stepped onto a star destroyer, and there's like a legion of like of stormtroopers in front of you. Oh man, it was the coolest thing. Wait, so where is this? This was at Disneyland. Okay, I went to okay. Universal for Halloween, um, which was fun. Yeah, I do love you. Um, but I've not been to Disneyland. 
Star Wars. I mean, the, the Star Wars land at Disney is nuts. Yeah. You, you can take a picture with the Millennium Falcon. Come on. <laughs> awesome. Um, and you get to build your own lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. I'm uh highly recommend. I'm more of an Ebon Hawk. I don't know that's uh, from the Old Republic. Do you ever play? Do you ever play the uh, Knights of the Old Republic games? No, I didn't. Oh man, I know sacrilege. <laughs> I really hope they do something with that. I really yeah. want. I I mean, I've only ever heard amazing things. Mm-hmm. Like I only ever hear it brought up when people are like, "This is the greatest thing of all time." It's. I mean, I loved it as a kid. I mean, I was. I remember when I was a kid. Um, I learned what the word obsessed meant because somebody. <laughs> Somebody said, you're obsessed with Star Wars. And I was like, what? What does that mean? And then they tell you and you're like, correct. And I was like, oh, is that, yes. is that bad? I'm sorry. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> My same thought. <laughs> uh, I'm like, yes, I am obsessed with Star Wars. Thank you. Yeah. My life size baby. You want it right there. <laughs> I, I, like, I like to put him on the, on the ground and move him around. So then wherever I am in my apartment, he just looks like he's staring at me, like expecting something. Um, I did not watch Big Brother this season. Yeah, it was, it was actually pretty good. I know that's all I heard. And yeah. like after last season, I was like, uh, I, can't, I don't think I can do it again. I don't think I can put myself through that. Mm-hmm. And then like all I heard was like, this is the best season. Oh my God, love it. Whoa, the cookout's amazing. Best yeah. alliance ever. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, this was the one yeah. to watch. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how 23 goes. Yeah. I'll let I'm, you, I'll let I'm you know. Like, Thanks. I'm still waiting for the for the celebrity Big Brother call. I'm like, please, I want to do it. Although, frankly, and this is my idea, I think they should remember what was it was BB 18 when they had like Davon and Nicole and Paul yeah. and Paul come back and they were like the team captains. That's what they should do, but with celebrities to have uh, you have like, four celebrities like coming back as like the team captains and then you're oh, like from previous celebrity seasons you're saying or are you saying or, that or, have players come in because because i was like i feel like celebrity big brother doesn't get as large a viewership right as regular big brother does so i'm like you should just combine the two oh okay, you just have yeah. like a celebrity season of regular big brother and have like you know four celebrities you know just stay there for an actual season i think i think they'd probably have trouble getting people to stay for that long Right. I'd do it in a heart. Do they know that you would do it? Because I feel like yes. you'd be great. <laughs> they do? I was at a general meeting at CBS <laughs> um, years ago when I, when I, when I first um, was started coming out here. And I was like, listen, if you ever need anybody, you call me and I will be there. I mean, we need to make this happen. It, it is, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. If I, I now I'm, now I'm really going to be looking at the cast for this season. And being like, is this my subtle announcement? If any, no, I'm, what I'm saying is that, like, if any single person on that cast uh, is like uh, not the most amazing person I've ever seen, I'm gonna be like, why, why wasn't Nicole there? Aww. Why wasn't, yeah, why wasn't yeah, Nicole right. in that spot? I, I, when I was a kid, I was talking to a, um, uh, one of my friend's mothers, was like a super fan. And I had told her, um, I was like, yeah, I'd love to go on that show one day. And she grabs my arm and looks like what I can only describe as like a look of shocked realization. On her face, and she goes, You're coming. <laughs> I said, Yeah, I know. Why do you think I'm going to lose? Yeah. yeah. You know, unless it's like sequester and I'm in a room with two people and <laughs> didn't, well, didn't When you actually got to play, it was like on a cast that was like a, like they had all like, played before, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, 
especially yeah. like into like with sequester like uh it got very like insular and like there were already alliances everywhere like, like oh yeah. i got in and well like everybody had already been pre-gaming yeah exactly and i thought like we weren't pre-gaming and so i was i like came in and i was like hey everyone how's it going and everyone was like already grouped up and i was like oh it's just like my first middle school dance <laughs> Oh man, I was so disappointed when you, uh, when you, even though, even though I hadn't really pre-gamed with you, so you were kind of a wild card for me, but I thought that your connection, uh, to Brendan at like you being actors yeah, would help because I, I had I was ready to sweep. I was ready to, I was like, yes, this is going to be amazing. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fall flat. Oh man. Um, this was, this was really fun though. I'm, I'm glad we got yeah. to, uh, we got to talk. Me too. Thank you very much for having me on. And that was Nicole. Thank you so much for listening. Like I said, great conversation. I uh, she's just she's very funny, very fun to talk to. Uh, so I hope all of you enjoyed it. Uh, you can of course find me over on Twitter at Armstrong Taren or on Twitch twitch.tv slash Taren Armstrong. Also making some YouTube videos over at Taren's Quest on YouTube. Uh, so check all of that out. Next week, we will have another great guest for you, so be prepared for that. And uh, that's what I've got. So thank you again for listening. I really appreciate all of the kind words being sent my way from uh, all of you listeners. So thank you so much, and I will see you next time. It's the Taron Show. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.